It's great to be back at the Boston Convention Exhibition Center here in South Boston, live and in person. Without masks, and some of us, self-respect. I want to thank uh, our clerk, Mike Donovan, my dear friend, for that warm introduction. He's been a friend and a mentor to me, uh, and the first person to endorse me when I went on this journey some 12 years ago to public office. Um, Michael, thank you for your years of service and your support and friendship. Fun fact, Michael and St. Patrick went to middle school together. But uh, you, you don't need to tell, you don't need me to tell you all that we've been through these past two years. Uh, so today, let's move forward um, and come together with compassion, empathy, respect, dignity, a little bit of a laugh, emphasis on little. And um, if nothing else, what these last two years have provided was an opportunity to show how we can get through just about anything together, except the Republican primary. <laughs> Is that all you got? So today, as we celebrate the Feast of Ireland's patron saint through the Irish traditions and art of music, dance, and wit, let us be mindful that these freedoms we exercise here, though ingrained in who we are as Americans and enshrined in our nation's constitution, do not come free. So that's why we also honor our men and women of the United States Armed Services who protect and defend our nation, our laws, and our freedoms, and it is because of their sacrifice and service that we can enjoy this celebration today. So to any and all of our veterans and those serving us who are here, please stand and be recognized. Come on. And as we remember our Irish ancestors who came to this country fleeing oppression and seeking peace and prosperity, let us be united behind the people of Ukraine as they fight to preserve their freedom, as our country's patriots did right here in Boston 246 years ago. I want to say a special thank you to the three most important people in my life, Karen Spilka, Karen Spilka, and Karen Spilka. <laughs> Also, my wife and two kids are here. I <laughs> also want to take this opportunity to thank Senators Warren and Markey for not being with us this morning. <laughs> How the hell did they get anything done down there in Washington? Um, there's almost nothing that would keep uh, our Congressman Steve Lynch out of Southie today on St. Patrick's Day, um, never mind uh, this special day. Uh, but we're thinking of him uh, because he is with those in harm's way on the Ukrainian and Poland border uh, who are out protecting freedom and democracy around the world. So we're thinking of Steve. We know his family's with us today. Thank you for being with us. We're keeping everyone in our thoughts and prayers for a safe and swift journey home. Good evening and welcome to Talk of the Neighborhoods. I'm Joe Heisler, your host, coming to you from the BNN Live studios in Eggleston Square. And we're tonight on the Boston Neighborhood Network. Well, we get the ball rolling on the annual St. Patrick's Day festivities. And who better than the uh, host of the annual St. Patrick's Day breakfast, roast, the man you saw in the, in the opening video, Senator Nick Collins joins us. And we'll talk about all that goes into it and what goes on behind the scenes to 
pull off an event like that. Then in the second half, we'll shift gears a little bit. You thought the election season was over or not here yet? Well, guess what? Special election season is here, and tonight uh, uh, there's uh, two seats that have opened up due to resignations, the 9th and 10th Suffolk uh, House seats, and tonight uh, you meet one of the candidates running in the 10th Suffolk race. Uh, that primary uh, it will be in May. Robert Orthman joins us. All that and more tonight on Talk in the Neighborhood. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, we're back with Talk to the Neighborhoods. I'm Joe Hessler, your host tonight, a two-part show. And in this first half, we kick off uh, the coverage of the annual St. Patrick's Day festivities here in Boston. Lots going on over the next uh, week or two. Uh, the actual, uh, of course, uh, uh, St. Patrick's Day this year falls on a Friday. And uh, so, uh, but uh, in between, lots of events, not the least of which is the annual St. Patrick's Day, the Southie Roast and Breakfast, and uh, who better to come in and talk about it than the actual host himself. He's the uh, first Suffolk senator uh, from South Boston, Nick Collins, joins us. Nice to have you here, Nick. Thank you. Good to be with you. Thanks so much. Well, tell us, give us the details on the top, uh, at the top first now. So the breakfast is where and uh, how can people uh, access it? How can they see sure. it? Uh, uh, so we're going to have it at the Ironworkers Hall this year in South Boston, uh, going back to its roots. Um, it'll be, be a little cozier, uh, but I think uh, more fun. Um, we're going to be uh, partnering up again with our friends here at uh, BNN to do the live broadcast yeah. so people in Boston can Thank watch it yeah, yeah. from wherever they are channels. at home. Uh, it'll also be live streamed on Cotton Southie, and they're uh, going to have a great interaction, pro interactive program that day, um, partnering with us along with... Uh, can be heard on the radio, uh, okay. WRL. Well, beautiful. And always uh, lots of fun, lots of uh, uh, jokes, lots of, uh, uh, well, uh, uh, little digs here and there. Uh, as uh, we heard at the top uh, uh, with your, uh, your uh, shift from last year. Uh, but, you know, I think a lot of people don't, and everybody loves to watch this, you know, and, and it's great fun. But 
I think a lot of people don't realize it. It's no small undertaking to pull this off. Yeah. And uh, give uh, give us an idea. Talk about what's what goes on, what it takes to actually put sure, this no, to, I mean, pull this together. It's a lot of volunteers who who care deeply about you know uh, keeping the tradition going and. You know, the tie to history is so important because we celebrate on uh, the 17th sure. and that weekend, not just St. Patrick's Day, the yeah. Feast of Ireland's patron saint, but Evacuation Day. Evacuation Day. And so there's a lot of history here um, that we celebrate. So we're very excited about, uh, you know, bringing that to people here uh, uh, through BNN and other means. But, uh, you know, coming together with statewide uh, office holders who um, I think are, you know, getting a chance to speak to, uh, people across the region um, and you know make light of themselves but you know be uh, playful with uh, each other and it's always you know um, good when there's a good cause behind it so it's a scholarship fund uh, as the beneficiary that is um, you know geared towards those who uh, are, are folks on public service. How do you, uh, you must have to raise the money, how does that work? Well, nonprofits um, uh, you know, involved that does that. Yeah. Um, and is um, really the steward of the event, I'm just the host. Uh, and you know, the, the support of volunteers is, is critical. Like tonight, they're at the Iron Orchestra Hall planning the event. Sure. Um, you know, uh, you know on, on the, all the details and logistics that go into that. But it's great fun. Uh, and you know, I'm an honor, it's, on, it's an honor to host, uh, and we're excited about having having uh, the governor for the first yeah. time as governor. Oh, oh, yeah. uh, you know, it's going to be a, uh, uh, the head table is going to be majority women, so yeah. it's going to be a, um, <laughs> you know, a, a great morning of fun. And uh, we're starting an hour early at nine o'clock. And this is again it's Sunday the Sunday March 19th. March 19th. The same day as the parade. The same day as the parade. As well. So and. Uh, and so people can tune in to here on BNN, yep. or they can, it's being live streamed as well. It's being live streamed on, on the web through uh, cottonsaldi.com and, and, their, and their Instagram uh, live, along with uh, if folks are on the road, they can listen on WRL. Yeah, WRL, I, I, again, I, always a lot of fun. Uh, you know, Nick Collins, this is your uh, fourth year. You, is, is it getting any easier to, uh, I no, mean, you know, it, a lot of pressure. It right? is, but they, you know, some things get a little easier. Change venues, so it, it's it's given us something new, along with you know new people, new leadership, uh, and, uh, and new events that shape a lot of what's going on. So, um, you know, we saw in the, in the beginning, you know, when we came together last year, the, the war in Ukraine had just begun, and that's still going on. Uh, felt like a long year in that regard, but um, you know, we have a big day in general. The parade's a big part. You yeah. know, it's one of the largest, if not sure. the largest, yeah. public event in Greater Boston. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we're coming together with law enforcement. Actually, tomorrow, um, and I was seeing reports earlier this week, along with the city officials, state officials, federal officials, around making sure we're equipped, given right. what we saw last year at public events uh, with these hate groups that came well, to the I city. Well, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Are you, uh, you know, uh, worried about that? Is that uh... Well, we want to be prepared. We want to be prepared for a safe transit, particularly, yeah. with so many people coming in from outside the city, into the city, in using public transit, we're encouraging people to take the commuter rail as much as they can, take pressure off the uh, the uh, red line, particularly. Um, there'll be shuttles at uh, at Broadway Station. I'm sorry, shuttles at South Station uh, to take people into South Boston at, at different locations for the parade. So they're encouraging people to uh, take the commuter rail um, for those that have the option between the red line and the commuter rail. Big day, big yep. day, in in, in Southie. Uh, um, how do you prepare for it? How do you uh, now? Do you uh, 
Do you take funny lessons? <laughs> That's impossible. Um, you know, I think you got to have a, a, you know, a self-deprecating approach to this, not just to be host, but to get through the whole season. Yeah, where, sure. You know, tonight I'm going to um, College of Mines. Southy Domenico has a has a, a benefit that's got a roast associated with it in Charlestown at the Knights of Columbus right. uh, for a cause. Father's and, uh, old stomping grounds. Yeah, exactly. My old roots are summered in Charlestown. That's yeah, why I yeah. stomp people. <laughs> but um, uh, so, you know, those um, events, I'm not actually participating, but we have one Friday that's mm -hmm. uh, St. Patrick's Day luncheon for the Boys and Girls Club uh, at the Omni Seaport. And, it, and there's a roast aspect to that. Right. It's hosted by John Tobin, former city councilor. Oh, yeah. Um, and there are other time. events that come along, the Chief Marshal's Banquet, the Evacuation Day Banquet, where we're sort of in that, that uh, frame of mind and mode. Um, but, no, we're excited. It's going to be a fun day on the 19th. Well, um, now, uh, in past years, and depends upon the, uh, the lineup, you have uh, sometimes have a surprise guest. Joe Biden's not showing up, is he? Well, we can neither <laughs> confirm nor deny, but we expect a great lineup of yeah. uh, federal, state, and yeah. Um, local leaders and, um, and colleagues and international. We're going to have uh, some international presence mm -hmm. as well that will be announced in the coming days. And of course, music uh, as always. And Cars Fancies um, uh, holding us down. Uh, they're uh, basically a, an institution at this breakfast. <laughs> uh, Bob Folks and Cars Fancy. But we'll have some um, additional uh, uh, players as well that have joined the last few years. Um, Congressman and, and have some uh, we'll have some electronics up there. Uh, Congressman Lynch, oh, absolutely. He's yeah. the patron saint of the breakfast. Yeah. Well, so he'll be there. I know he usually has something good. As you said, he was in. Uh, yeah, in unless there's an international crisis so that well, he, I expect. It's tough for him yeah. not to show up sometimes. Uh, having hosted it himself at. at uh, and we're going back one. to his hall. Yeah, and we're going yeah. back to his hall. So, uh, so it, does that mean the uh, the jokes could be a, a little. Uh, uh, more uh, digging, so to speak. I mean, will they hold up better at an Iron <laughs> Hall? Maybe. Um, but I think you know. I think people are you know starting to come back together again yeah. in bigger settings and being more comfortable and interacting in ways that we had in the past before. I mean, getting people away from the keyboards and uh, you know right. getting in each other's company. So right, and put the uh, cell phones away. Well, at least uh, kind of away. And yeah, at least they, <laughs> you know. A little less screen time, um, do a, do a mind good. I think you know. Well, you know, uh, and you mentioned uh, in, in in last year's shtick there about uh, uh, that the uh, Senator Warren and Senator Markey uh, uh, were not there. Are yeah. they gonna, they coming this year? We uh, we hope and expect they'll yeah. come. Yeah. Obviously, playful uh, jab. Uh, you know, uh, longtime supporter of Senator Warren and and Senator Markey. They're both doing a great job yeah. and. Um, you know, Senator Markey uh, is always good when, when he comes, and uh, Senator, Senator Warren had a couple of uh, great singers in 21 when we were virtual, mm -hmm. especially. It was the last time she was she participated with us, but, um, yeah, we hope, we hope they both come this year. Did you uh, warn the governor to put her uh, armor on? Of course, she was there before yeah, as, a, she's as already, an attorney general, so... She's got a great sense of humor, and she's well-liked, um, you know, and I think, you know, she's going to be great. She's been there, you know, in the years past, and she's always fun, so. Well, you know, uh, well, you know there's lots, and of course the mayor, I'm, uh, we're assuming the mayor will Absolutely, will, the mayor, will she'll be bringing her best stuff. Yep. <laughs> As always. Well, you know, lots has, lots has changed, of course, and lots has changed in, in Southie, and, uh, you know, it's... Uh, 
a lot of people say it's no, no longer the Irish bastion that it once was. And sure. uh, does that change how you approach uh, uh, events like this? And, no. Uh, let me first say. Change? Let me first say when you're when you live in a grew up in a neighborhood that you learn had the have the uh, the Albanian Cathedral of New England. That's Broadway, right. Correct. Uh, Polish uh, church, right. Lithuanian church, right. Polish triangle, and that my parish gate of heaven was built for Italians. You learn that there's a multicultural community back back when it was growing from basically water and then landfill to you know a, a part of the city, mm -hmm. of the city, sure. South Boston, when it was annexed or created, basically. Um, so you learn that, and you know that that's, that's sort of you know not as uh, a strong an argument as it once was, anyways. Um, but I think what's great about this cultural tradition is that it, it is intergenerational. Uh, these cultural traditions, because you're celebrating a bunch of things. You're celebrating freedom of speech. You're celebrating uh, freedom of the press, freedom to assemble, freedom of religion, a coming of age of an immigrant community, immigrant class, um, uh, the second uh, from the, the, uh, the first, and how that intersects with our uh, American history, our revolutionary history, mm -hmm. how it began, why we can even do this. Right, you said Critical. it coincides with the evacuation day exactly. celebration. So March 17th, 1776, all tied in together. It's a special obligation that we have to celebrate and, uh, and continue to teach the next generation mm -hmm. about that history, why it's important. And that's why we celebrate uh, the United States Armed Forces because, you know, this isn't free. And, uh, and we, we honor them that day, particularly with the parade, and we will be doing so at the breakfast. We're joined by the Chief Marshal this year, uh, South Boston Native and former Secretary of Veteran Services, uh, Coleman Nee, who'll be oh, yes. yeah. with Coleman, us. Yeah. Yeah. Great yeah. guy, you know. Uh, and there's a long history of uh, uh, servicemen and women coming out of Southie, I know, as yes. well. And some monuments uh, to get down to the uh, seafront. There. What's the toughest part of, uh, of pulling this off? Uh, oh, man. Um, I don't know. I think, you know, with such help and support that we get, it's really not you know uh, anything but but pleasure. I mean, it's yeah. it's work and it's it's effort. You know, because you're reaching out to um, a lot of folks, making sure that uh, you can get as much participation as possible, and uh, it's just you know added to the to the daily schedule of uh, all the work we're doing already. And you know, I think. Um, it's impossible to do this year round. Let's just say. <laughs> <laughs> My God, no, that would be a, that would be a challenge. Well, um, you know, uh, looking forward to it. It's going to be uh, great fun, and you know, you know, appreciate all the effort that you're putting into it. Uh, and I, I don't think a lot of people really understand how much how difficult it is right. to do. No, you know, and but, and uh, it's, like I said, it's an honor, and I do think it's important. We're we're coming out. Um, you know, we're we're coming uh, out of the pandemic. We're, yeah, we're coming, we're coming together, but we're also getting out there in front of our constituents and the people. You know, facing the music, so to speak, um, as we do at the parade. Yeah. Uh, to to you know, it's a great way to engage with constituents who have um, you know issues and things they want to share with you, and in a way they're comfortable, yeah. and that's in the flesh. So, well, and also I you know I think uh, that. The, you know, you have to be able to, to uh, laugh a little bit uh, yeah, at yourself as well. You know, you said self-deprecating humor is a, uh, yeah. uh, because uh, if you can't, boy, you're, you're in the wrong business, I would say. Right, yeah, no, because you do have to face criticism sometimes. And, um, you know, I think it's important to take that with a grain of salt and take it and make better decisions, yeah. but also, you know, be able to continue to 
uh, move forward and have fun. And you know, I think that's what this is. What yep. this is, you know, we're not. I haven't had a ban anyone yet, so I'm happy about it. <laughs> well, so, well, wait, that once they passed, I haven't had uh, the Norfolk County Sheriff, uh, the former treasurer there. You're bringing him back? I know he's Mike, got him on. Yes, uh, uh, Treasurer Mike Bellotti will be a special guest, and we expect uh, great things out of him. Uh, oh, yeah, he's good fun. He has, he's got a great sense of humor. Yeah. And, and, of course, a lot of your colleagues uh, from the Senate, from the House as well, I know uh, make it a special point to show up there. Yeah, and, so we're excited to have the Senate president with us up there, see too. Yeah. who can carry a tune and who can't, right? Uh, well, that's why the band's so important. They, <laughs> they make it less painful for the crowd, I guess. <laughs> well, um, now, of course, uh, you got uh, a new governor. You mentioned that. Uh, you know, kind of broke the glass ceiling there. And, and uh, you got just a few minutes left there. Uh, how are you, uh, you know, as you enter the new term here, the new legislative year, how, how are you looking? How, what, what's your priorities? Is she somebody that you think you're going to be able to work with to get, get things done? Absolutely. I think she's doing a great job so far. She's been very collaborative. Just hearing from committee chairs about how her staff is reaching out in those secretariats mm -hmm. proactively, um, you know, to begin really strong communication, that's key. You know, that's a great indication. Um, I think we're in a position where we do have resources. We need to be strategic. I think her proposal is very strategic in trying to make us competitive here in Massachusetts. While there's been, you know, efforts to capture more va capture more value and, and resources uh, to invest in in in, um, in both places, we need to make more investment in and new investments. Um, but you got to keep Massachusetts competitive, and I think that's one thing her, her proposal that we're going to be debating, you know, this this next couple months on the budget does. Um, and we have to use the resources we have wisely. And I think we, you know that's going to be the, the name of the game this year and going forward because we will be dealing with a, a period of uh, you know um, economic stagnation as it relates to receipts. Right now, we're not seeing that, and we right. hope that this continues, you know, for the foreseeable future. But whereas we're preparing for that, and that was what allowed us to respond so successfully to COVID. When other states were were right. out of whack, we were prepared. We had good financial management um, at the city and state level, and. Uh, and had a had a, had had collaboration. Right. Plus, the revenues I, were stronger than I think stronger, any. Minute. But I think the, I think this administration is is really yeah. focused on things that need to be fixed, and can strengthening things that we're doing well now. Uh, and she's taken a great approach, and the team's been very collaborative. So I, I think it's really healthy and good for Massachusetts. Well, and of course, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure when uh, you start to see uh, the uh, proceeds uh, uh, from the so-called millionaires tax and. And even how much it will right. will in reality be, but uh, you know, of course, the uh, T is always a big uh, issue yeah. uh, in your deck of the woods, in particular the red line. Yes, You've had some troubles uh, on the T lately. Are you confident that uh, yeah uh, she'll be able to put the people in place to? Uh, I do. I think you know, injecting um, you know her new vision and leadership again, fixing things that are broken. And taking long-term, you know, views of things that, you know, can be strategic for the AT in terms of value capture, I think it's a smart idea as well. But, you know, getting the right people in there, including, you know, Jeff Carnival, who's there now. I think there's something to be said about experience. I think when the governor's uh, selecting uh, these folks, they're going to be experienced people who are not going to be learning on the job, mm -hmm. even if they come from somewhere else. That can really, you know, seize on on what. It's great about our system and, and really trying to position it 
to handle the next generation. And that's yeah. where we're at. We're in, the, we're in the middle of getting from an old generation to a new generation in terms right. of the whole system. Yeah. Electrification being a big part of that. I think there's an opportunity inside the city where the commuter rail, yeah. uh, for instance, and, you know, takes all the way to Hyde Park, um, is diesel inside the city. There's a hybrid option where we can go electric inside of Boston with a short stops and more um, uh, density and impacts, environmentally, environmental uh, impacts are felt where the suburban areas where town to town they may have not the same need um, uh, to mitigate. We, we want to be able to move on this. I think there's a, there's a willingness to do that here. We have the resources. So it's trying to not just say, hey, let's build a whole system-wide electrical right. situation. Be the time. Let's try to right. take it off chunks at a time. Right. The system's just yeah. so big. So. Um, we've got just a, a minute or so left. Uh, the biggest issue facing your district uh, this year? And, and safety. safety. Safety in schools, safety in the communities. Um, and, you know, it's going to take a, a full team effort. You know, uh, city and state, we're looking at faith-based initiatives. We're looking at programs for the DA's office um, uh, and the nonprofit community. Uh, but I think it's important that bring the police back into the. We schools? have to have a baseline. We're working on some state funding to to work with the city to get the metal detection yeah. options non-invasive. You don't need to feel like you're going through Logan Airport right. to walk through school. In most places, it's you know on the perimeter of the doorway. Mm -hmm. If you went to a library and try to leave without you know checking out a paperback, right. you know they yeah. know. So we should know if someone's coming into school with a weapon. Feeling like you're going through a, a prison or going yeah. through a, a courthouse, we, we got to be using technology to be mitigating against those yeah. uh, those deadly weapons. But I, I think that you know, at the you know broad safety level, you know the the um, I was talking to the police commissioner earlier. Oh, yeah, I think you know they're you know stepping up with recruitment and seeing um, you know we're planning ahead for the the summertime. I think. You know, the police department's in good hands, and I, I think, mm -hmm. um, you know, where we need to focus is more on the mental health challenges mm -hmm. areas. And I think civil intervention, Section 35, so people aren't, yeah. you know, uh, running around the city, yeah. um, you know, uh, whether they're off their medication or they're, they're battling substance abuse. Having mental health issues, we're seeing aggravated assaults go up. We don't want to see that happen in areas like Madison Cass or anywhere in the city. Right. As it metastasizes to places and squares like Nubian Square, Worcester Square, Andrew Square, yep. and, and provide a medical response to that, and that includes a Section 35 yeah. option. Yeah. Well, uh, lots to do. Going to be a very interesting year uh, politically as well. Uh, again, uh, Senator Nick Collins, uh, he's the host of the annual St. Patrick's Day breakfast roast uh, this year. Sunday, March 19th, uh, starting at 9 a.m. 9 a.m., and you can watch it here on BNN. Uh, we're uh, doing the coverage this year. We're also tonight uh, coming to you uh, on simulcast from our radio station, WBCA-FM 102.9. Nick, as always, thank you so much for coming in and joining us. And thank you. Us See you on the preview. 19th. We're, we're looking forward to the, uh, the breakfast. and. Some good uh, jabs and good fun, too. Come so. on an empty stomach. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, there we go. Well, anyway, thanks. When we come back, uh, joining us, uh, Robert Orthman. He is a candidate for the 10th Suffolk House seat. That's the seat uh, uh, get, given up by Representative uh, Ed Coppinger, who resigned to uh, take a job in the uh, private sector. And it's a special election coming up in May to fill that seat. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more of Talk of the Neighborhoods. That's great. This is Ireland's Call.
the power and the glory we have come to answer our country's call from the four proud provinces of Ireland let me come on here we go Ireland Ireland together with more of Talk to the Neighborhoods. I'm Joe Heisler, and tonight in the second half, uh, well, it's uh, special election season, and uh, there's two seats that were opened up due to resignations this year, two Boston seats, I should say. The 10th Suffolk, that includes uh, West Roxbury, parts of Roslindale, a little piece of JP, and a little part of Brookline. Also, uh, the 9th Suffolk, uh, which is... Uh, down in the south end, uh, John Santiago gave up his seat there to become the new Veterans Services Secretary. I believe that's his, his title. And, of course, Ed Coppinger, who was the uh, rep in the 10th Suffolk, uh, resigned in order to take a job at MassBio. Uh, he has been in the House for uh, several terms, so uh, it spawned a very interesting race. And tonight, I'm pleased to have joining me one of the candidates 
that's jumped into that race. He is a, uh, an attorney by uh, profession, uh, working with the uh, Commonwealth of Mass, the Department of Early Education and Care. And from Roslindale, Rob Orthman joins us. Rob, nice to have you here. Thanks so much Thanks for, for having me, Joe. For coming in. It's good to be here. Well, uh, this is, uh, were you anticipating this? Did it, was anybody anticipating uh, Eddie Coppinger leaving uh, so suddenly? You know, I, I learned about it like a lot of people did. I saw it in the uh, the Friday Politico email that right. the representative had filed an ethics disclosure yeah. um, that he was talking to MassBio, and so I said, oh, okay. And so I started thinking, okay, well, if this is, if this is serious, then I'm going to take a look at this. And here we are a couple weeks later, and we've got an election in seven weeks. Sure enough, <laughs> and, and here we go, right? Uh, well, it's, uh, you know, as you're finding out, it's a, a real whirlwind uh, mm -hmm. jumping into a race like this, trying to pull it all together. What, I mean, what made you decide to uh, run for state rep? Uh, you know, it's, uh, you, you worked in state government, but uh, this is a little different uh, uh, venue, so to speak, sure. you know? Well, I think it's just an opportunity to serve my community. You know, I've been a, a community leader in the, the Parkway area, the, the West Rochester and sure. Rosendale yeah. area for for years. Um, I got my career started in public service working for John Tobin, actually, who's the former city councilor. Oh, yeah, I'm John's sure you know well. Yeah, absolutely. So I was John's uh, aide for about uh, three and a half years. Oh, so I yeah. did uh, constituent services and helped folks trim trees and yeah. fix potholes and, and all the things that are really important to folks. Then when I went to law school, uh, after that I worked uh, in private practice for a little bit. And I worked uh, actually the Boston Water and Sewer Commission for a number of years, uh, helping with city services and kind of learning the ins and outs. Yeah. And by uh, so that's what I do professionally. And not to mention, I'm, I'm with the Commonwealth Early Education uh, Department right. now. But I'm also uh, very involved in the community. I'm I, uh, very involved in transportation advocacy. The maybe familiar with the rapid bus lane on Washington yes, Street, Rosedale sure. Square. So I was one of the leaders in organizing that. And we were able to bring that forward under Mayor Walsh, and now it's been uh, replicated across the city, and we're seeing bus lanes everywhere. I see them all the time. Yeah. Right outside our I know. Door. You've got one right over around the corner. Right around the corner here. Yeah. So, uh, uh, and, and, but, you know, jumping into something like this, taking on this kind of responsibility is a, kind of a whole different thing. And uh, what, uh, how, what was your thought process, and I'm sure your family brought them into mm -hmm. the discussion. How did you approach that? Yeah, it's, uh, I've volunteered in a lot of campaigns. I've never been the candidate. It's, I've said to a lot of people, it's, it's a very out-of-body experience. Um, you know, just, just talk to, to my close network, my, my parents, mm -hmm. um, my sisters, my close family friends. And, and you're originally from West Roxbury, right? I am. So I grew up in West Roxbury. My West Roxbury, and now you live in uh, Correct. Roslindale. So, mm -hmm. uh, and my parents still live in West Roxbury. Uh, so. mm -hmm. That's a big part of the district. Yeah. So what's your, uh, what's your, uh, your platform? What's your... Uh, your uh, your biggest issue that you're going to be running on uh, mm -hmm. to kind of uh, help people understand what Rob Orthman is all about. Yeah, I, I think the, I'll say there's a couple issues, but I think the approach to the seat is what I'm really trying to get across to people. I'm really running to be a bold leader. You know, I've been a community advocate and leader for years, and I think we need bold leaders that have a sense of urgency. We've got huge problems. I mean, I, I could list them out. I could spend a long time, mm -hmm. but we've got a housing crisis in the city and in the state. You know, we've got a transportation crisis, particularly public transportation. We have um, a wonderful commonwealth. We have a great place to live. We have the most expensive childcare in the nation. And I work on that directly uh, day by day with folks. Sure. 
we've got small businesses that are still recovering from, from COVID. And I was on the board of Rosendale Village Main Street for years, and I've worked with small businesses and entrepreneurs. So I'm just, I think there's a lot of issues that we need to work on. And I think for me and my background, I bring, I touch all of those to varying levels. And I'm also just an advocate by, by nature. And so I will get in there. I will, I will vote the right way. I'm, I'm a proud progressive running for this seat. But I think voting the right way is kind of the bare minimum. I, I see it as an opportunity to be an advocate, too, to, to push those issues both with the bully pulpit you have as well as um, talking to folks in the community. Well, you say bold. Sometimes, you know, does that mean, you know, uh, pushing back on the status quo, uh, so to speak? Uh, you've got some fairly uh, uh, powerful and influential people in Boston uh, in leadership mm -hmm. in the, in the uh, especially in the House. And uh, mm -hmm. uh, are those people that you think you can work with or do you think we need to change the... Uh, the system up there. Did you see the uh, the auditor, the state auditor now says uh, yeah. she's going to audit the legislature and of course uh, some have suggested that's not within her purview but uh, are you of a mind that you think uh, there's got to be some serious changes in the legislature? Or? No, I think I think you have to do things in partnership. I think the areas that you can work on in agreement, particularly on the issues, um, I think we'll work, I want to work together with the leadership on. When I talk about being a bold leader and advocate, I think I'm talking more about kind of the approach, bringing together a, a coalition, uh, forming community consensus, not just, just going and kind of, you know, pulling the lever and voting on something but saying no housing is much more of an important issue we got folks in our district right now that can't afford their rent they can't find places to live and getting out there whether it's at community meetings working with developers working with transportation officials and saying I want these changes in this district I want to really fight for what these people want so that's what I mean when I say that I think there are times where where you have to push back you know I see it as I'm not an automatic yes I wouldn't be an automatic no you know I want to if something makes sense for the district I would support mm -hmm. it and push hard but if it's something I needed to say no to then I would say no what did you learn from observing how uh, Eddie Coppinger handled the job? Did he do a good job in your mind, or mm -hmm. is there things uh, that uh, kind of slipped through the cracks? Uh, and, and, you know, I, I think sometimes it's, it's unfair. People think that, uh, uh, you know, uh, lawmakers or representatives or the city council, or rep you know, that they can fix everything. Right. You can't, you know, it's just not possible. But, uh, how do you think he did, and how will you be, will you be different than him? I think uh, Representative Coppinger was great on constituent services. I think he did a wonderful job for the district, mm -hmm. whether it was you know, saving the Irish Social Club or working on issues that really mattered specifically to folks in the district. I mean, his, him and his family, their, their legacy of public service yeah, kind of speaks, long legacy, it yeah. speaks for itself. Yes, so it I, I, you know, I think it's a big loss for the district. For me, um, I, you know, I'm my own person. I, I see it as I would continue that legacy of constituent services. Like I mentioned, I have that background mm -hmm. from the city council, so I know how important it is that when someone calls you, they get a call back immediately that what they see outside their front door is the most important issue to them. I think if you don't care of the, take care of the small stuff, you can't do the big stuff. But for me, I'd like to be a little bit more of a voice on larger ticket issues, um, the housing issues I mentioned, the MBTA mm -hmm. particularly. This district is served by four commuter rail stations, yet we're paying exorbitant commuter rail fares. You know, Mayor Wu has filed a bill in the legislature for commuter rail equity um, mm -hmm. for fares to bring us into Zone 1A. So if you want to live, if you live in Rosendale or you live in West Roxbury and you need to go downtown for work, for play, or on a weekend with your kids to go to the aquarium, you don't have to pay six, seven dollars per ticket, so it's a fifteen dollar ride. We got to change that, and that's an area where it's something like I would push very strongly mm -hmm. on, and that's what I'm talking about about being an. Yeah, athlete. and I think that's what they have on the. Uh, I'm not sure which line that is. The, Fairmount line. Right, the Fairmount line. You know, mm -hmm. if you get on there, it's like riding the subway basically, instead of uh, 
riding a commuter rail line and, yes. and, and paying that kind of thing. Well, you know, and you mentioned uh, Mayor Wu, of course. Uh, uh, she's got a couple of big ticket items that are going to be coming mm -hmm. your way if you're up there. Of course, uh, the special election for the seat is the primaries May 2nd and the general is May 30th. May 30th. So mm -hmm. uh, you would be there in time certainly to uh, you know vote on uh, you know budgetary issues and some big ticket issues. Uh, uh, chief among them, uh, just this week, the Boston City Council passed her proposal for rent stabilization, uh, rent control. How do you feel about that? Is that something you think you could support her? Uh, and is Mayor Wu somebody you think that you can work with? I definitely can work with the mayor. I think we're extremely aligned on, on almost all, every issue. And I am a progressive running. She's a progressive mayor. And she's also my neighbor in Rosendale. So I would be thrilled, there you to, go. I would be thrilled to, be, to be on Beacon Hill and, and work in partnership with the mayor and her administration. Specific to your question, um, if I'm lucky enough to, to be elected by this district, I will vote for the rent stabilization bill. I think that it strikes the right balance. I think it, it cuts off at the very top end these really ex egregious price hikes, uh, mm -hmm. excuse me, rent hikes we're seeing in certain places. But it also instilled incentivizes growth of new housing, which is something I'm particularly focused and, on. And you're not worried about. And I'm playing a little devil's advocate sure. here, but of course the real estate community is saying, you know, you're at risk of, uh, you know, killing the goose that laid the golden eggs, so mm -hmm. to speak. You know, Boston has continued to grow and grow, uh, you know, all kinds of development, uh, and it's slow to bed, obviously sure. through the pandemic, but still uh, growing and. Uh, um, you're not worried about that? Or? I think it's fair to worry about that. I mean, I certainly am a candidate that is very pro-housing, and I want to see new housing built. And I've had a lot of conversations with, with folks that both live in the district as well mm -hmm. as outside the district. And some have brought that up to me, and what I've said to them is, ideally what I'd <coughs> like to see is a rent stabilization package that really tempers the, the worst excesses of the height of, of these rent hikes, mm -hmm. but otherwise partnered at the same time with a bill that makes it much easier to build through zoning relief, through the MPTA Communities Act, which is something that I would push aggressively that doesn't really affect Boston, but it's suburban communities that need to build more housing and do their part. Right. So I see it as kind of a, an overall package. I think it needs to be done holistically. I think if you do one without the other, you could run into a problem on either side. So that's what I always tell people, and, and the response has been pretty good. I mean, I, I think I'm a very strong pro-housing candidate and um, that's how I'm going to approach things. Well, you know, uh, and I think a lot of people realize that, you know, unless some more housing is built, uh, you know, the, the pressure mm -hmm. of just uh, people want to live in Boston sure. and uh, <laughs> the, what they're uh, willing or able to pay is, uh, varies and mm -hmm. some people will no longer be able to afford to live here, I think, if, if, if something isn't done. Uh, but... There's also, you also get, in, get into the not in my backyard sure. when you start talking about development and sometimes uh, um, it's difficult to put through some of these proposals. Now the, the mayor also wants to uh, well, reorganize uh, and the former BRA, the Boston Planning and Development Agency, uh, to make planning a bigger part of it. I think that's fair to say. And that's also something that would be coming up there if you're elected, uh, the uh, state rep for the 10th. And uh, is that something that we need to abolish the, uh, the uh, BRA, the, you know, you know, the old structure that used to, was used to, you know, well, it's been many, many decades now since it was first put in place, but mm -hmm. is it uh, obsolete? Is it an anachronism? Do we need to get rid of it? I think the urban renewal era BRA has to go. Um, and I think that's the right approach. 
the, the BPDA, as it's now known, definitely has changed its approach to things, I think, in a really good direction. So I think in many respects, this, this legislation will codify what's already happening in practice. You know, I'm, a, I'm very involved in housing issues in Roslindale. I've worked on more development projects as a resident than I can probably name. And I know that there's a balance to be struck. We do need the new housing. We also need to make sure we're raising the level of income-restricted housing in those developments. It's something I've fought very hard for. And also surrounding community benefits. Um, we're working on something called the Gateway, Arboretum Gateway Path in, in Rosendale. Wow. And it'll be a, a biking, walking path to Forest Hills. And we've been working with developers that have been building along that corridor to say, OK, you're going to build housing here. We want that housing. This is something we want. Mm -hmm. But we'd like you to help us with this <coughs> path, which of course will also benefit the, the folks is that, that are gonna live here. Where would that be, along Washington Street? It, it would be parallel to Washington Street starting at the Rosendale Village commuter rail station, but it would actually run through adjacent to the tracks, essentially the commuter uh -huh. rail tracks. But we've been able to partner with developers to say, this is something we want built that will benefit your building. Help right. us get this built, and we're, we want the housing too. And I think that's like a model for what we can do. Um, I, I see it as working in partnership. I don't. I, I certainly am not a NIMBY. I, I, I very much am a, the opposite of that. I, I believe we need uh -huh. to get to yes. But I also understand that there are times we have to, to talk about mitigation and things like that. So, and I've done that work. I know how to have those conversations. Right. I've done those negotiations. And you know, <coughs> if I'm lucky enough to get elected, I'll, I'll do it as state rep. Well, and I, I'm thinking of, and not to you know, zero in on one thing, but uh, mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of the name of the, uh, the school that they wanted to build in, in the old dealership there. at Roxbury the, Prep? Right, at sure. uh, Belgrade at, at uh, West Roxbury Parkway there. Mm -hmm. uh, Ran into a lot of opposition, mm -hmm. and you know, I, and some of it, uh, you, know, uh, you know, may be well founded. I mean, just because of the traffic issues and, mm -hmm. uh, associated with it. But uh, how do you how do you negotiate uh, that? You know, you said you you know involved in working, trying to find solutions to sure. that. Uh, and I don't mean to pick on that particular thing, but there's there's going to be a, a dozen of those kinds of developments uh, over your tenure if you're elected. Well, I had to negotiate on that one with the hardest, the hardest folks to have to talk to, which were my own parents. They uh -huh. live, oh, you can almost throw a baseball from their house and hit uh -oh. that site. Uh -oh. uh, but we had a lot of conversations, and, and I, I'm sure they're watching tonight. Yeah. And, um, but we, you know, I was able to, we, we all talked about kind of, well, what do you want here? You know, not just them, but I'm just giving that as an example sure. of how, how personal this stuff can be. Sure. Folks of friends of mine that live in the area, and, you know, that was a very divisive issue. You know, I did, I did support putting the school there. I did it with some reservations because, quite honestly, I, I'm not a proponent of new charter schools. That said, that was an existing school, and I felt it was a little bit of a unique situation. Um, it was hard. I, I, I think as a, an elected official, uh, if I'm lucky enough to become one, I think you just have to lead with clarity and you have to lead with, with integrity and say to folks, look, this is where I am on this. I want, I want to respect you and tell you where I, where I am so there's no ambiguity there. But at the same time, we can talk about the issues here. We can talk about mitigation. We can mm -hmm. talk about make things happen. You know, ultimately, that, they've gone on to a different location, and now there's a proposal to build some, some transit-oriented housing at that site. And I've been very involved in that as well, and I think that is a good result. I think that's an excellent site for, for housing, considering it's right next to the commuter rail station, right, getting yeah, back to the commuter rail right pieces there. we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you know, we found a way to, to make something positive work. That hasn't been fully permitted yet, so we'll see, but I think it's on its way. And I think that's one of many examples of where, I think if you have, have leaders that are willing to just kind of stake out where they are, but, mm -hmm. but really listen to folks, you might not get to, you know, everyone happy at all times, but you know that never happens. But, right, but yeah, yeah, well, good <laughs> but you luck, do the best you can. That. You know, yeah, you yeah, do the you best do. you can. Yeah, you do. But you know, in the course of that, sometimes uh, you know, you know, you, you, people fall off, and and you know, but uh, you know that's you know, part of the job. You know, that's the toughest mm -hmm. part of the job, maybe. Um, 
you mentioned, you know, and when talking about schools, you said you're not a big proponent of charter schools. Are, are you happy with the uh, quality of the schools, though? You, you, do you have, I'm sorry, you, do you have children? Yeah, or? I have an eight-year-old son that's in the Boston Public uh, Schools, yeah, goes to a school that's in this district. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very personally invested in the yeah, school system yeah, on, yeah, on the most yeah. personal level you can. I'm a graduate of the Boston Public Schools, too. I graduated from Boston Latin School. Okay. So, you know, I, I think that... I would say two things are simultaneously true. I think there's a lot of really good th things happening in BPS that yeah. aren't getting enough attention. I, I really feel that way. You know, my son's school and the schools that many of my friends said and their kids to are really wonderful places where they're getting amazing, like, holistic educations, right? At the same time, I'm not going to sit here and suggest that there aren't huge problems. Of course there are. Um, I, think it's, I think it's the kind of thing that, that we can solve as a community. Um, you know, I, I opposed receivership, for example, by the state. I felt that that was not the right approach for this. We don't need that. We, our solutions are in Boston. Let us work on those. But there's things we can improve. I mean, I, I work in the early education space, and mm -hmm. I don't work in the K-12 space, but in the early education space, that's the most important phase of learning yeah. for kids, yes, right? Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, and so we're seeing already how much more we need to do in that space to get kids ready then to enter K-12. to and that, and that trickles to, to the public school system as much oh. as anywhere else. Well, some people suggest that the uh, the teachers' union have too much influence on, on what happens in the uh, school department. And there's also a lot of people, and especially people of color, uh, that uh, have left the city because of the schools. Sure. And uh, um, and and so I I wonder, are you, you know, and you know, that's being handled by the uh, superintendent, of course. But uh, uh, are you? willing to stand up to those kinds of special interests, not just there, around all kinds of issues, there's always special interests. And uh, sometimes it's, uh, it's easier to go along than, and, you know, to get along, you mm -hmm. know. And, uh, but uh, I'm just, uh, what's your take? How do you approach those kinds of issues? I'll do what's best for the district. That's just the first and foremost thing I'll say. So regardless of whoever or what entity or group mm -hmm. it is, if it isn't the right fit for the 10 Suffolk, I wouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. That's just a general approach that I'll take to anything. In a, in a larger scheme, I mean, talking about teachers, you know, my sister's a public high school teacher outside of Boston, and um, I saw what she was having to deal with during the remote schooling. You know, right. I had to remote school my son at home for almost two years. Very difficult. Yeah. Very difficult. And, and parents in that situation, you know, I look back at it now and I go, how did we even do that, you know? Sure. But I, I, I saw what she was experiencing as the parent of small children herself yeah. while trying to remote school from her living room. We've asked so much of teachers, particularly in the last couple of years, and, and I think they yeah. deserve our support and they deserve our credit. At the same time, you're, you know, again, I will do what's best for the district. It really depends what the mm -hmm. issue is, but that'll be kind of my North Star. Yeah. All right. We've got just a couple of minutes left to go. Uh, it's one thing to govern. It's another thing to campaign to win the seat. What's your strategy for, for actually winning the seat? Mm -hmm. As we mentioned, it uh, includes most of West Roxbury. I don't think There's it's one quite. precinct that's not, but other than that, it's all of West right. Roxbury. Uh, it's about uh, half of Roslindale. Yeah. It's, uh, How far over into Roslyn? If you think of it, it's essentially whatever's uh, northwest of Washington Street, yeah. where I, our, the Arboretum side, where I am. That, sure. That's that part of Rosendale. Yeah. Um, Jamaica Plain, most notably Moss Hill, oh. and then a little bit around the Pond Side area up to Perkins Street, just a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then you mentioned there's a one precinct in Brookline that is kind of around Putterham Circle for yeah. folks that know that area. Mm -hmm. Well, it's been a while since uh, I think a state rep has been from Rosendale, so mm -hmm. you. Um, I'm trying to think of who the last one was. I think it was Mark Drazen. I was going to say Mark yeah. Drazen. I think it was Mark. I think it was. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And and Rosendale's been cut up several different ways, and I think even to this day, it's it's there's like 
four or five different reps that yeah, have a, a piece right. of it. So that's right. it's never, I used to live in Roslindale. I love Roslindale, but so, and good things have happened there certainly. But uh, so, what's your what's your uh, strategy for for winning the seat? You don't even know who's in it yet, besides you. You say possibly one other candidate at this point. There, there is one other candidate <laughs> that is that has pulled papers at this time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and I I've, I've heard that there could be more, but uh, you know, yeah, more the merrier. You never, the rumor mill never stops, right? <laughs> I, I, I'm honestly focused on yeah. what I'm doing, yeah. and, and I say that with great respect for anyone else. Yeah. I think it's a personal decision whether or not to run, but I'm focused on what I'm doing. Um, to your question about strategy, I see myself as a candidate that really can, can win, but more importantly, represent the whole district. I grew up in the very far end in West Roxbury, right near the Dedham Line, right next mm -hmm. to the VA hospital. Oh, yeah. And that's where I grew up. You know, I, I, that's near, where I... Near the, uh, this, this uh, smokestack there, the... Uh, at, at the VA or uh, yeah, the VA. Did. Oh yeah, the one that's, the smokestack. I know the, the old one was almost right next to my parents' <laughs> yeah, house. I mean, I, I know, I know, say, I know exactly what you're I'm talking about. I'm back to my yeah, newspaper yeah. days yeah, yeah, covering yeah. that, but so, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. So that's where I grew up, you know, and I know that community well. I'm 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 in the park. I, it's kind of an amorphous Parkway community, right? It's it's yeah, very much many respects. Is. Grew up playing Parkway soccer, playing basketball. You know, I'm I'm there all the time now, constantly. So I I, I know West Roxbury quite well. I'm invested in West Roxbury. My parents are there. I'm there all the time. I live in Rosendale. I've been a community leader there for years, and, and about half of Rosendale's in the district. Um, my son goes to school in Jamaica Plain uh, in the district, and yeah. I'm very, uh, I know a lot of folks in the Moss Hill area yeah. as well as in JP. So I, I think I really touch all aspects of the district, and I don't want to forget our friends in Brookline too, and, and I've, I've got supporters in the yeah. Brookline precinct as well. So I think I'm really in a position to, to, to campaign well, but like I said, more importantly, honestly, represent the whole district. Um, that, that's how I see it. I think in this district, it's, it's, we need someone that understands each different aspect of it, but also kind of how to bring it together and listen to it. And, you know, I would humbly suggest I, I think I'm that candidate. So we want to wish you Thank the best you, of luck. Uh, yeah. Again, uh, Rob Orthman, Robert Orthman, uh, he is an attorney uh, from Roslindale running in the special primary election. He's Democrat running special primary election on May 2nd. And, uh, well, uh, we'll see how many other candidates are in this race. Uh, when they pull papers, they get in, we'll bring them to you, as well as those running in the special election for the 9th Suffolk. We're out of time for tonight, so we'll be back next week at the same time. Thank you again, Rob, for coming in. Uh, my guest uh, next Thursday at 6, uh, City Council President Ray, uh, Eddie Flynn. And until then, for the entire staff and crew here at BNN, thank you for watching, and uh, have a pleasant evening. Good night.